Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity to come together and to look at your word. We thank you for the visitors we had Sunday and guide, guide them to if this is their church. Lord, we ask you to touch people's hearts, ask, ask you to guide and lead us as we go through this study and show us what you would have us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Samuel chapter 3. Remember last week we were talking and David got his kingdom, but he only has two tribes so far that he's, uh, one tribe that he's ruling over this time, and that's Judah. And uh, he's uh, going to reign there in Hebron for seven years. And we start out in chapter 3 with verse 1. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David, but David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. And unto David was, were sons born in Hebron. His firstborn was Ammon of Ahimaam the Jezreelitess, and his second Chiliab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, and the third was Absalom, the son of, the son of Mahakah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Gersher. And the fourth was Adonijah, Adonijah the son of Hagerth. And the fifth was Shephetiah, the son of Abital. And the sixth was Ithriam, the by Eglah, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. All right, so we look at this, this section here, and it tells us that there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Well, the longest that this war is going to be, uh, the minimum it would be, would be two years, because that's how long uh, Shivatheth ruled, if you remember. He ruled for two years. That'd be the absolute, uh, I would say even maximum uh, time or minimum, because that's how long he reigned. And the maximum would be seven years. That's how long he lived in Hebron. But during this period, G, uh, uh, David gets six sons by six different women. So he's married more women while he's in Hebron. All right. In all, David's going to end up with, hmm? uh, David ends up with at least eight wives. And it's a possibility of a ninth wife. We're not, there's, she's not mentioned in the Bible other than she was promised to, to David. So we don't know anything about that. But he ends up with seven, uh, eight wives and ends up with 22 children that are named in the scripture. And possibly there are more because in 2 Samuel 5.13 it says that David's going to have daughters. And only one of the daughters is named. So we know that he has uh, 22 children that we know the names of. And daughters means that there's some more that we don't know. Because we only know the name of one daughter. And that's Tamar, which we're going to find out is going to be a major character later on. So David is racking up wives. Not near as much as his son is going to rack up. Because uh, he ends up with a thousand wives and concubines. So... You know, he goes, he goes way overboard. David is already going overboard because God, God told the people in Deuteronomy to not, that the king was not to multiply wives unto themselves. And David, you know, I don't know how many is too many wives. Uh, more than one is probably too many as far as I'm concerned. But many of these Bible characters did not consider that as too many wives. Uh, and so we see here these 
children that are being born to him. David's getting stronger and stronger as, as time goes on, and uh, Shivatheth and Saul's people are getting weaker. They're, they're losing. Uh, remember the last battle we talked about, 300 of his men died, and only um, was, was it 19 of, of uh, David's men. So at an 8 to 1 ratio, you, can't, uh, you really can't survive for long. <laughs> Uh, no, not 8 to 1, 360 to 20, 18 to 1. <laughs> so at that rate, if he lost that, at that rate every battle, then he'd be getting very weak very quickly. And so it's a protracted war somewhere no more than two, you know, uh, somewhere up to two years to seven years, uh, most likely. And it doesn't really tell us. And all these children that David are born to be, that are born, uh, Ammon is going to be very important to us. He's going to do something that's going to be very critical. Absalom is going to be one who rebels against uh, David and tries to take over the throne. Uh, Adonijah is going to try to become king at David's death, and he starts claiming to be king, position himself to be king, and that's when Bathsheba comes to him and said, isn't my son supposed to be king? And David promotes uh, Solomon. <laughs> Uh, quite a bit of trouble in David's family. And that's part of what happens when you have multiple wives and multiple, multiple kids from different wives and, and all that stuff. And the same problems we're seeing in our day and age where people not, aren't necessarily getting married multiple, but there are so many people that have children from multiple different women and or different men uh, in their lives. And it makes things very difficult for those families. There's all kinds of chaos that, goes in, that gets involved in that activity and that's all because people aren't faithful to God that we end up with this kind of activity that goes on. And so we see here, while in Hebron, David, David gets six, six children. Many of those children are going to be interesting people later on. Um, and we see that his, one, the wife one of the wives named here was uh, Mahakal, and she's the princess or the daughter of, of Talmai, king of Geshur. And that's going to play an important role later on in our and our story, uh, which not today. <laughs> Any questions on David's kids? Verse 6. And it came to pass, while there was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Wherefore have you gone in unto my father's concubine? Then was Abner very upset for the words of Ishbosheth, and said, Am I a dog's head which against Judah do show kindness again this day unto the house of Saul, your father, to his brethren and to his friends, and have not delivered you unto the hand of David that you charge me this day with a fault concerning this woman? So do God to Abner, and more so, except as the Lord has sworn to David, even so, I to him do translate the kingdom of the, from the house of Saul to, the, to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan even to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner's word again because he feared him. All right, so here we have a very interesting picture of what's going on. And it says, uh, during the war between the house of Saul and the house of David, Abner made himself strong for the house of, the, of Saul. This basically means that when he went out, he was victorious and he kept getting the victories and he kept getting the glory. 
He was getting strong. He, and remember, we, we, before we talked about Ishibosheth being a puppet. Abner has raised him up and he's using, using that, this gentleman as a puppet ruler. He's going out to battle. He's winning, he's winning some battles. He loses, you know, he's losing more than he's winning against David, but he's, he's going out. He gets enough victories that people are giving him the glory. Remember when David and Saul came back in and the, and the women were singing back and forth to one another, David, uh, Saul is slaying his thousands and David his ten thousands. And it really made Saul angry because David was being given more credit in the battle than he was. And probably was true, but uh, it probably was a very true statement, but it made Saul angry. The people are saying David's, you know, more uh, famous than I am. Here, the same thing's happening. It's not telling us the, the songs or anything, but Abner's getting very strong. He's getting famous. If he wanted to be king, he could just say, I, you know, let me be king. And remember, he's related to Saul, so he's in the royal line. He's just not directly in the royal line. And it says that Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ehale. And Shibosheth said to Abner, wherefore have you gone into my father's concubine? And you've got to understand this in this day and time that they're, they're at. When a king died, his wives and his concubines became the property of the successor. All right. So basically, Ishibosheth's telling Abner, why have you slept with one of my concubines and wives? Okay, now he may have never slept with them, but they were his. He inherited his father's harem. And apparently his father had a, somewhat of a large harem as well, because this is not one of, his, one of his three or four wives. This is a concubine. And so he's charging Abner with quite an offense here. Abner, you're sleeping with somebody you're not supposed to sleep with. Technically, you have committed adultery because the concubine was given to this individual. Uh, we see this when later on when we get to the story of Absalom and David. Absalom usurps the kingdom from his father, and the very first thing he does is sleeps with the concubines of David. And saying basically, he was saying, I'm king, it's my right, I'm taking taking these women. Well, this is what's going on here. Abner is making a pretty, if this is true, this is a pretty serious charge. I have no doubt that it's true because Abner's making himself strong. He's, he's set up Ashibosheth as a, as a puppet. He pretty much thinks he can do what he wants, and I have no doubt that this is true. Now, there are those who doubt it because of, because of Abner's response. And Abner's response to him is, you know, am I a dog's head, which against Judah do show kindness this day unto the house of Saul, your father, to his brother, and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David, that you charge me this day with a fault concerning this woman? Now, this is very arrogant, very in your face, and there could be one of two reasons for this. He has either been falsely accused in its righteous indignation, or he's viciously attacking the person as a defense. And we've all seen people who do this. When you tell them, you know, when you challenge them for something to do, they come right back and they attack you. There's no way I did this. And they go, you know, go flying off the handle. I believe that it's a second. 
I believe that he actually slept with this woman thinking that he was above the rules and you know, he decided he was going to be there. Uh, I'm not going to totally rule out that he was falsely accused. I just don't really think that that's a viable option here because I believe power corrupts and he is making himself powerful and I believe that's the purpose of the sentence right before that, that he was growing strong. And I believe as he grew stronger, he, start feel, he started feeling, I can do what I want. And this happens to people all the time. If they get into a position of authority and power, they start to feel like, I can do what I want. Today. It always happens. It, it's what happens. Power, as you get more and more power, you think that you have something that you can get away with things. Whether it's in business or government or even churches or gangs or, or, or anything. Even in friendships sometimes, people start taking advantage of one another thinking, I've got the power, I can, I can do what I want in this relationship. And this is why I believe that verse 6 is there. They were saying he, he was gaining power. I believe this was a true statement that he actually had slept with this concubine. And Yeshivashef is a little irritated as would be, you know, like be writing. true. Huh? Just kind of like writing. Well, he's, at this point he's denying it. You know, he's denying it. When Yeshivashef comes at him, he denies that he's done it. And again, I just think that is him blustering. If I bluster loud, loud enough, long enough, I'm going to get my way and he's going to back off. Uh, and basically, Shiva said, you've committed adultery, you deserve to die, is what he's basically telling him. And uh, his answer is kind of, you know, am I a dog's head? Now, we don't really understand what that is, but we know that the references to dogs in the scripture are 80% negative. Dogs were not the cute, cuddly animals that we think of them in our day and age. Uh, you used them. They made lots of noise in your, in your area, but they were vicious. They were not pets. Uh, when Jezebel later on in, in uh, Kings is thrown off the balcony, the dogs eat her. All right? The dogs in the town eat her. So they are not the friendly, nice little pets that we have. You wouldn't put them in your lap. You wouldn't have them in your house. They were not, so basically saying, am I the one of these disgusting dogs, you know, and I'm one of, you know, I'm their, the head, are you, you know, it is a very derogatory statement that he is, is saying. Uh, and then we end up with this very interesting statement. And as he goes, am I a dog's head, and then we can look at this, which against Judah does show kindness day unto the house of Saul, your father, and to his brethren, and to his friends, and have not delivered you unto the hand of David, okay, he knew that David was supposed to be king. And Abner admits it right here. You know, I have been against Judah. I have been against this king David, and I haven't delivered you over to him. So he's admitting that he is going against God and that he knows that he's going against God. That's what verse, seven, uh, verse nine, uh, 9 and 10 will tell us, that he knew that he was going against God. What an audacity that he has to try to go against God. He obviously knows that David has been anointed because he says so. Because he says, so God do as the Lord has sworn to David even to do to him. All right, verse 9 says, he knows that David was told that he was going to have the kingdom. And it's amazing to me how many people 
will challenge God's plan, especially when they know it. And in this case, Abner knows the plan, and he's actively fighting against God to set up a Shivashev. It's almost like if he almost has the attitude of Satan. I'm going to rise myself up to be equal to God, and somehow I can beat God. And this is Abner's attitude. Somehow I'm going to beat God. Maybe Samuel lied to, uh, Samuel lied to David. Maybe that's all been a false thing. I'm going to put my person in, in charge, and I'm going, to be, I'm going to get over God's plan. And this is something that is very scary, and yet we see it over and over in the world. Sometimes they do it unknowingly. Sometimes they do it on purpose. But we do it as a Christian oftentimes. Knowing what God's plan is, we will do what we want anyway. And that can be any number of things. When it comes to giving tithes or worship or, follow, or, or witnessing or doing any of the number of things that God commands, oftentimes we go, God, I'm going to do it my way. We're doing exactly what Abner was power, doing. Power went to his head. Power went to his head. Uh, you know, else to himself. He wants to get his own way. Well, this one's a pretty big deal, though. To go against God is a huge deal. And he is going against God. Like Satan, like, Satan like, like many people, like Christians do. And, you know, we might have said when he first did it that he didn't know. But verse 9, like I said, uh, you know, you charge me this day with this fault. And this word for fault is depravity against the woman. So in other words, he's saying, you're, you're accusing me of sleeping this woman. And this is why many people, when they read that, they believe maybe he was being falsely accused. And it's possible. His attitude could be very easily that he was falsely accused. But his attitude is going to swing so far, okay, and, you know, that I'm going to give this king over to David where it belongs. David was supposed to get it. I'm ready to give it to him which really shows him how much power he thinks he has, that he's going to deliver, to deliver the kingdom over to David. And it could be that he's basically saying, you know, and if he's just blustering and vicious attack and defense, he understands that Shibosheth is getting a little bit of a backbone at this point. You know, and when a puppet gets a backbone, the person who's trying to play the puppet master gets a little nervous because... What do you do with this person? How much back, can I crush them and push them back down? Or is there back, are they going to get stronger and stronger in their attitude and, and cause me some problems? And uh, here's where Abner is at, you know. And he says, let God do to me so much more if I don't deliver the kingdom to David. In other words, let me die. You know, I'm going to die. Uh, if I, and God, if I don't give this to kingdom to David, let it happen. And then it to translate or to cause to take away the kingdom from the house of Saul and, and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And we've talked about this statement from Dan to Beersheba. It is like it is saying from the north and to the west. It would be like saying for us from New York to LA. Okay, the whole the whole country. I don't know what we would say from north to south, Maine, Maine to Florida. Uh, so he's picking the town of the far north, Dan to Beersheba, the town in the far south. And that's what he's saying. I'm going to give, I'm going to give David the whole land. You know, you, you've, made, you've made this charge against me. You know, you made this charge against me falsely. I'm going to give it to David. You made this charge and, you, and you're getting a backbone and I, don't, and I don't like you getting a backbone. I'm going to give it to David. You know, so it could be either way. But his attitude on this is, I am giving the land to, to David. It belongs to David. I'm giving it to him. 
And this was his warning to Ashibosheth. And in verse 11, and he, Ashibosheth, could not answer Abner a word again because he feared him. He was afraid. You know, he knew Abner's power. He knew that Abner had put him into place. Because remember in the previous chapter, it said Abner had promoted him. Okay, he wasn't even promoted by the people. Abner put him in said, and basically said, I'm the general, I'm putting you in and I'll be your commander and I will help you get your kingdom established. And now that Abner's no longer happy with him, he doesn't have anything to say because if he pushes this too hard, he knows that he's going to, to fall. And he's hoping that maybe Abner is only being blustery and not going to pursue this. Because without his general, he stands no chance of keeping the kingdom. And uh, he knows that Abner's powerful. Abner's the one that put him there. So this is, this is quite a threat that he's making. He's making a very valid threat that Yeshivasheth has to take seriously. Right now we're doing a lot of history. Verse 12. And Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, saying, Whose is the land, saying, Also make you league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you, to bring about all of Israel unto you. And he said, Well, I... I will make a league with you, but one thing I require of you, that is, you shall not see my face except you first bring me Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come to see my face. And David sent messengers to Ashibosheth, Saul's son, saying, Deliver me my wife, Michael, which I espoused to me for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ashibosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Thaltileel, the son of Laish, and her husband went with her along, weeping behind her to Bahurim. Then said Abner unto him, Go return, and he returned. All right, so we see here Abner following up on his word. He said he was going to deliver the kingdom to, to David, and so he sends messengers to David. All right, this is not from Moshibosheth. These aren't official messengers. These are his hand-picked messengers. They're there to tell David, whose land is this? In other words, it's your land, David. I know, I know the promise. I know the promise that it's your land. Okay, it's not really, you know, hey, whose land is this? I mean, he knows, and this is what he's admitting. And he says, make a league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with you to bring about Israel unto you. In other words, Make a compact with me. Protect me. You know, don't destroy me. You know, make, make, you know, make a contract with me, and I will deliver unto you Israel. Abner has power. Maybe not authority, but power. Abner has a lot of power behind him. This is one of the reasons he's upset with Ashibosheth getting a little bit of backbone and, and making this accusation to him. And he goes, David, I can deliver Israel to you. Be, you know, make, make, a, make a covenant with me and I can deliver them to you. And David says, well, that sounds good to me. I'll make a league with you, but I have one request. I want Michael. And remember, Michael was the second daughter of Saul. Remember, after David killed Goliath, Saul's oldest daughter was promised to him. Now, we don't ever know whether they ever got married. All right? Because it doesn't tell us. And that's why I say he may have had an extra wife that we don't know about. But we know that Michael loved David and her father gave her to David. And then when David went out on the run from the kingdom, 
Saul gave Michael to this man that was listed here, uh, Philtael. All right, he says, okay, David's on the run. He's no longer, he's persona non grata in Israel. We're not going to let him come back to Israel in my, as long as I live. So I'm giving my daughter to another person because I'm not letting my daughter go, you know, go with an outlaw. Uh, so he gives Michael away to another man. David apparently loves Michael. All right, he tends to like, uh, love a lot of women. There's, uh, but, you know, Michael is somebody that he says, I want her. I want her back. Saul took her away, and I want her. And he goes, I bought her. I bought her for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And remember, the, the deal was that he had to go out and kill, you know, and deli- you know, kill a hundred men to bring their foreskins back to, back to Saul. Saul, we talked about it at the time, Saul was hoping that he would die trying to kill a hundred Philistines. David sends this message to Ashibosheth, send me Michael. Okay, he doesn't go to Abner. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, he goes straight back to Ashibosheth to make this request. Now remember, why would Ashibosheth even be willing to do this? Well, the answer was right at the very beginning of this chapter. He's been getting weaker and weaker. He's been getting weaker you know, militarily and power-wise. Abner's been getting stronger. Abner's not happy with him, so he's trying to make David happy, and he's trying to buy David off. Okay, okay David is strong. He, maybe, maybe if I give him what he wants, we can have peace, and David will leave me alone. Okay, it's not said here, but I'm sure that's exactly what he was thinking. David wants his wife back. I'll give him back his wife. Maybe, maybe that'll uh, make him happy, and we won't, you know, we, maybe we can make peace. So he is going to send for his sister and, and send her back to David. But she was married. Yeah. Well, she was married to David first and then given to this other man. So basically now she has two husbands. And it was one of those situations where Saul as king said, okay, you're no longer married to David because he's an outlaw, so I'm going to give you to another man. And David wants his wife back. When people play around with God's rules and his way of doing things, big messes come up. And this is one of those messes. David never divorced her. As far as he's concerned, he's still married. Even though she was given to another man to be her, uh, his wife, David still considers him her, his wife. Uh, so Saul has ended up giving her two husbands, at least as far as they're concerned. <laughs> she's not going to go back and forth once she gets back, yeah, but, but she, she's bounced around, and it's not her fault. You know, David ran for his life. She would have waited for David because she loved David, and it's very obvious she loves David. Uh, but Saul gave her to another man, which is her father, and, and he was king, which gives him another right to be able to do what he wants, theoretically, even though it violates God's rules. She got caught in the process. She got caught in the middle. And this happens frequently when, when people are obedient to their, their, their covering head and their head misbehaves, it can cause problems. They get, they get caught in it. If a husband does things wrong before God and gets punished, the family ends up getting, getting, getting caught in the, in the crossfire. If a pastor you know, doesn't do what God wants in the church, the church can fall, be caught up in the crossfire as he gets punished. 
and this is true in business, the same thing. You know, many times people get hurt when a owner of a business does something stupid and the business shuts down because they break the law you know, and they get, they get arrested and the business shuts down and the poor employees get no job because of the misbehavior of the boss. All right, these things happen. And this is part of the problem with being in charge and it, there's an accountability for being in charge. Pastors have an accountability for their church. Husbands have an accountability for their family. Business, business owners have an accountability for their employees. What they do can drastically influence and hurt those that are following them. Poor Michael, <laughs> she, she is being hurt. First she has David for her husband, then she's pulled away from that relationship, probably against her will, because she loved David. She asked, she asked about David. Now she was given to another man. Now she's being pulled from that man to be returned back to David. I feel sorry for her. I really do. And I'm not going to feel so sorry for her later because she's going to end up being childless because of some bad decisions on her part. But she has been bouncing around all this time, being told what to do. And here's another king, her brother, saying, okay, you no longer get to have the man that you've been staying with for the last, last years while David's been on the run. We're now putting you back with David. And uh, I don't know if she loved this other guy or not. He definitely loves her. You know, he's, he's following her as, as she's being taken back to David. It says he's following her and he's crying. Okay? He is weeping behind her as she's being taken away. So he definitely loves her. And we don't know what her, added, her life you know, thoughts are toward him. All we know is she loves David, probably still loves David when she was pulled away and given to him. And probably, if she hadn't been pulled away from him by, you know, by Saul to go to this man, probably have gone to David you know, at, the, at the earliest convenience that she had. And now she's being returned to David. This man is crying and weeping behind her. And Abner goes up to him and says, go back home. <laughs> you know, go back home. You're not, you know, probably more words to it. Go back home. You're not getting her. This is, you know, she's going back to her first husband as a peace offering. You know, probably went down the whole nine yards and probably even threatened him. Or else. Yeah, yeah, go back home or else. Uh, you're, not getting your, you're not getting her back. And so he is in... Crossfire too. Huh? He's in a crossfire too. He's, he's been, you know, he took this wife and obviously he loves her. And all of a sudden she's yanked out of his life to be going back to David. And we have this, and this is the problem anytime we do things that aren't biblical. We've said this over and over again. There's consequences for everything we do. And unfortunately, we've said also the consequences oftentimes affect others as much or more than we get affected. The person who gets into a vehicle after they've been drinking all night and ends up killing somebody, took that person's life, which is bad enough, hurt their family, which is another thing, ends up in prison losing their life. You know, there's all these ramifications that go, go on and you usually hurt others more than you hurt yourself. And there is no sin that affects only you. It will always affect others. And that's why it's so important to be careful what we do and how, how, we, how we go forward. Every story in the Bible shows us that it's very much that others get affected. When David sins with Bathsheba and kills Uriah, God doesn't take his life like it was supposed to, but he tells David, the sword is never going to leave your house and you're going to lose this firstborn child of, of Bathsheba, 
and you're going to have these other things. And there were all kinds of consequences. And the consequences didn't fall on David as much. I mean, his love for his people hurt him, yes. But Bathsheba loses her child, a totally innocent individual. Absalom is going to rise up in rebellion against David and make him go back on the run and sleep with his wives and, and cause problems. Amnon is going to uh, rape Tamar and uh, cause problems there, and he's going to have consequences for his actions that are go, go very deep. And David is going to find out that, you know, we find out that David wasn't all that great a father. He was a good king, he was a good military leader, but he was a terrible father. And he didn't take care of issues that came up. And David had this proclivity to not try to take care of issues that come up. He would let them just simmer and, and, and go away. And so we see all these problems going on. When Absalom murders Ammon for raping Tamar, David doesn't do anything with him and then finally exiles him. And that's why Absalom was angry with his father because he got exiled for taking vengeance on his brother. We, all these little issues that come up, and we see here that Abner is the one that brings uh, Michael back. And I, you can picture this. David makes the request of Ashibosheth to bring Michael to him. Ashibosheth probably talks with Abner and says, you know, you know, do we want to give in to David? Abner knows what's going on. He's the one that sent the messages to David in the first place, knows that if he doesn't bring Michael to David, he's not going to get to deliver the kingdom of Israel to, to David. So he's telling Ashibosheth, yeah, we need to make peace with David. We need to keep him happy. Knowing that he's going to strip the kingdom from Ashibosheth anyway and needs this event to happen to get it. When you think about this political intrigue going on, you know, it's an amazing thing because we think, you know, ah, there was no big deal back then. Politics were just as dirty, just as bad back then as they are today. And Abner's working these back, back street, uh, back alley deals, smoke-filled room type deals. He's met with David. David says, okay, I'll, I'll meet you. You can do this for me, but I've got to have Michael. He sends a message. David sends a message to Ashibosheth. Ashibosheth is kind of probably, you know, wondering, well, do I do this? You know, can, you know, do I really want to send in my sister? Is it really this big a deal? He talks to Abner. Abner convinces him to send Michael to him, knowing that this is going to be the knife in Ashibosheth's back. He's getting advice from the person who's going to take his kingdom away from him and sets him up to lose his kingdom. What intrigue, you know, you can have a whole movie on this kind of, uh, this kind of a story with no problems. Well, it sounds like today. It's, it's exciting, and that's just it. You know, we read the scriptures and it literally is, you could just read a newspaper, change some of the names, and you'd be reading the same type of stories. And this is what's going on. Abner is convincing Ashibosheth to do what he needs him to do so that he can give, deliver the kingdom to David. Because he can't just go to Michael and take her from her husband and take her to David. So it has to be Ushibosheth's decision. And you know that he had, he, he's the advisor. He's the strength. He's, he's the man behind the, behind the king and the puppet. So he says, yeah, I think this is a really good idea. You need to try to make David happy. We can try to get stronger. You know, this is a good, good move on your part. We can have peace for a couple months. We can get stronger. Little, little does poor Ushibosheth know that this is his death kill for his kingdom. That as soon as David gets Michael, Abner defects, and he's left without his, his only strong general. What, what a piece of 
piece of work Abner is. Okay, Abner is a treacherous devil. Uh, and David seems to be playing a very dangerous game because he understands how treacherous Abner is as well. He also understands that Abner is strong enough to bring Israel back because Israel went to Ishibosheth on Abner's word. You remember in two chapters ago, it was Abner that set him up. Abner that went to these places and said, you need to continue to seek after Saul's house, even though it was very well known that David was anointed to be the king after Saul. So we have quite a battle here. And this means many other people are in this game against God. God, you pick David, we're going to keep Saul. You know, Saul's dynasty reigning. And big deal. This is why we've said right from the very beginning, Jonathan had to die because if Jonathan hadn't died, he was ready to give David the kingdom, but the people probably would not have let him give up the kingdom that easily. Because we see it here. They're willing to go against God when they know what God had said. Verse 17, And Abner had communication with the elders of Israel, saying, You sought for David in times past to be king over you. Now then do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. And Abner also spoke in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner went also to speak in the ears of David in Hebron. All that seemed good to Israel and that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David to Hebron, and 20 men with him, and David made Abner and his men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go, and will gather all Israel unto my lord the king, that they may make a league with you, and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. And David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. This bit of the story is something that is quite revealing. David is considered a great man of God, and he was a good man of God. But we have all along from 1 Samuel and looked at how bad David. David is willing to lie. David is willing to, to steal and kill and cheat to get what he wants. In this case, he's making back deal, back room deals to get what God has already promised him. God does not want us to go out and do his will our way. And this is what's going on. If David just had patience, God would deliver the kingdom to him because that was his promise. And yet, David is going and making this deal with Abner. And it says, Abner went out and he had communication with all the elders. All these elders that he had convinced to, to go to a Shibosheth, he goes, he goes to them and said, hey, you all wanted David at one time. Let's make him your king. You know, throw off the ship that you swore loyalty to and go to David. Uh, just goes to show us how fickle the people are as well. Here's Abner, a very powerful man. He says, hey, just go to, you know, just go to David. You know you, you know, you wanted him in the past. And by the way, and this is one of the places where we see in verse 18, he knows what was said. It said, it was, the Lord has spoken of David by the hand of my servant David. I will save my people Israel out of the hands of the Philistine and will call out out of the hand of all their enemies. He knew David's prophet, the prophecy over David. They knew the prophecy over David. And for two years, everybody has been going against God and against David to do things their way. 
how often do we spend a lot of time doing things our way, even as Christians? God, I'm, let me just do it my way. No, God, I, I know what your word says, or maybe I don't know what your word says, but God, I think I know what your word says. People have said certain things, but I'm just going to do it my way. Whatever that way might be, whatever it is you're looking at, and here the people are saying, we're going to do it our way. We're making a Shibosheth king. We know that David's supposed to be king. David's our deliverer. We wanted him at, at various times, but we're going to do it our way because Abner, the strong general, is backing a Shibosheth, and we don't want a civil war. Now Abner's turning around. And then in verse 19, and Abner also spoke in the ears of Benjamin. Now, does anybody have an idea why this statement is very important? Why is it important that he spoke to the children of Benjamin? They're the priestly. Nope, that's the Levites. What tribe is Saul from? Saul's from Benjamin. It's in their interest to keep their descendant as king of Israel. Abner's strong enough and powerful enough that he gets Benjamin to agree to become, to switch sides from the Shibosheth to David. Now, whether it's threats or promises, I don't know, but he is strong enough and powerful and persuasive enough to even get Benjamin to switch sides. I don't know what he said to Benjamin. It doesn't even tell us what he said to, to Benjamin. But he says he went to speak to the ears of David uh, in Hebron, and it seemed good to Israel, and it seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So whatever he said, convince them. Give up on your own family and switch <laughs> your own tribe and your own, your own tribe and switch to David. He might have rehearsed the, the prophecies of David. Uh, about David. He might have even gone all the way back to Jacob's pronouncing on Judah that the scepter would reign in his. Who knows what he did and how he did it. Plenty of prophecies about Judah being the tribe of the king. And he may have been able to go over that. We don't know. We don't. He might have just threatened them. You know, uh, turn over, turn over, or I am going to back David and I will come and attack you. You know, who knows what he said, but it eventually they, they decided it was a good idea. So he's talked to all the leaders of Israel. He's talked to Benjamin. He has everybody all in place to switch sides. Pretty powerful, pretty powerful man. He, he's going to make good on his promise to give all the tribes to David. Yeah, really big deal. Back room, cheating to get this, and yet... David's playing this game. Again, we know that David, as much of a man of God as much as he loved God, is just like us. Let me do it my way, God. I, I, I know you promised these things, but I'm going to make it happen. I am going to make it happen. And that's what David's looking at. Okay, God, you, you promised me the kingdom, but here, here, here's my opportunity. Abner's going to give it to me. It's kind of dirty, dirty dancing and dirty playing, but uh, Abner's going to give it to me. God, I'm going to, it must be you. God will never violate his ethical standards to give us anything. Now, he will turn good from bad. He's going to turn this whole situation, if we get far enough in this book before the end of this session, he's going to turn this situation into a good event for David. All right? But it starts out wrong. It starts out wrong. David is saying, I'm going to cheat and steal this kingdom 
you know, God's promised me the kingdom, but I'm going to get it by hook or crook. I'm going get, to get the kingdom. And God never approves of doing things that way. All right? Verse 22. Oh, let's go back one more. Verse 21. Yeah, verse 21. Or actually, 20. So Abner comes with 20 men, and David has a great big feast for him. David's all set. You know, Abner, I'm, I'm really happy. You, 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 Abner came and told him probably all this. I've got it all set up, David. All, I've talked to all the elders. They're, I've got Benjamin convinced to come onto your side. You know, everything's all set. We're, we're all ready to go. And then in verse 21, and, David, and Abner said, I will rise and go and will gather all of Israel unto my, unto my Lord the king and, will make, and they will make a league with you. They, you may reign over all of his, all that your heart desires. And David sent him away. All right. Picture this. This is, Abner up until this point has been David's enemy. Big enemy. He's chased, he was the general under Saul, chasing David all over, all over Israel. For two years he's been fighting David uh, at, every, at every turn. And all of a sudden he goes to David and says, I'm ready to, I'm ready to give up. I'm going to give you everything. Now, what is he going to ask for? We don't know exactly what he asked for. He probably asked to be a general or an advisor or something in, in David's army. I'm sure he wasn't going to go from being top dog to nobody. All right? he's, he's, he's asking for something in this. He's, not, you know, he's angry with the Shibosheth, but he's going to get something out of this deal, and David's willing to give it to him. Verse 22. And behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop and brought a great spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away, and he was gone in peace. When Abner and all the host that was with him came, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king and have made him, and he hath sent him away, and he is gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away, and he is quite gone? You know Abner, the son of Ner, how he came to deceive you and to know your going out and your, and your coming in and to know all that you do. And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers unto Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sirah, but David knew it not. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died and the, for the blood of Ashiel, his brother. All right, Abner comes back from the battle. David wasn't at battle. He's busy talking with Abner. Joab and the army that he came, it says they came back with a great spoil. They're coming back with, from a big victory. They've won a big victory. They've got a great spoil. And the first thing he's told is Abner was here. Okay. Now remember, he hates Abner. They've had problems all along. But remember, Abner's killed his brother, Ashiel. And he killed him in battle, but he's, Joab's been angry with about that ever since. And all of a sudden, he gets back and it said, Abner was here talking to David, and David sent him away. As far as Joab's concerned, Abner is a total infidel, should not be given any kindness, uh, is, is uh, worse than the dust on the bottom of his shoe. <laughs> now, when, David, when he came to David, as far as Abner, uh, Joab's concerned, he should have been thrown into prison or, and or killed. And so he is angry 
that this has happened. He is boiling angry, and we see how boiling angry, angry he is when in verse 24, Joab goes to David and he says, what have you done? Now the general does not talk to the king this way. <laughs> what have you done? You, you know, Abner was here, why did you let him go away? Why did you let him go away? Joab has a little bit of a high opinion of himself as well. Abner's got a little bit of a high opinion of himself. Joab's got a very high opinion of himself. Uh, and remember, David is his uncle, right? He's the son of David's sister. Generation down, and, but he's very bold. He thinks he's something. He's been winning victories. He's been, been in battle. And he fully defies David, gets into David's face. And this is why David is going to tell Solomon, get rid of Joab. Joab is going to be trouble for you. Joab is always there telling David, you made a mistake. And in his case, this is his big mistake. And then he goes, you know, Abner, he came just to spy you out. Right? So he is assigning to Abner bad motives for coming to David. Okay, David, he came just to get, you know, just to spy you out, and you know, he wants to make you think you're getting what you want, and he's going and his plan and his plan really is whatever. You know, in, in Joab's mind, probably to get rid of David and become king over all of Israel. Uh, but you know, this is something we have to be careful. I've mentioned this before. We get in trouble so often when we assign motives to somebody, something somebody does or says. Well, you know, they said this, but what they really meant was, well, how do you know what they really meant? Well, I just know. I know them. We get ourselves into a lot of trouble when we do that kind of stuff. Husbands and wives do this frequently. You know, friends sometimes will do, well, you know, they said such and such, and, you know, I just know that what they meant was this. And you get this negative opinion on them, and you react according to what you think they meant rather than what they said. And you can get into a lot of trouble acting on what you think they meant. And here, Joab saying, you know, David, he came just to spy us. He wanted to know what you're doing, what your, what your troop strength is, where your, where your you know, troops are. He wanted to see the inside of the city. And he's going to come back, and this, this decision is going to haunt you. Pretty bold speech. He does not even know what David and Abner have been speaking about. Uh, you know, so he doesn't even know what's going on. He just has this bad attitude about Abner. And it's going to affect him. Verse 26, it says, And when Abner was come out from David, he sent a messenger to Abner, which brought him again from the well of Sarah, but David knew it not. So Abner sends messages to Joab and says, uh, Je and Joab sends messages to Abner, <laughs> saying, I've got some messages, probably I have some messages for you. There's some more stuff that David wants, or, you know, probably, I'm sure he invoked David's name. Because Abner's not coming back just because Joab called him back. It's probably, I've got, an, I've got some information for you. There's some things you need to know. And he comes back in peace, thinking that everything is okay. Him and David seem to be okay. So when he's called back by David's general, he's thinking that, oh, there's just some more information David wants to give me. And he comes back in peace. And it says, when Abner was returned to jo Hebron, Joab took him aside to, from the gate to speak to him quietly and smote him under the fifth rib for the blood of Ashiel, his brother. So in other words, he took him aside. I've got to, I've got to talk to you privately. And while they're walking, 
probably walking side by side even, he puts the dagger right up under, right up into his heart. One clean blow. Well, I want to talk to you along, and they take you aside and they beat you up. Well, we see that all the time in the movies, the movies, the mafia, those type of things. We see it all the time. We're, we just need to talk to you for a moment. Next thing you know, you're dead. Uh, and that's what's happened to him. A general, a mighty man, a valiant man is pulled aside. You think he'd known Job, but Joab was mad at him for a big deal. He should have been more careful, I guess. Well, in one sense, you've got to be careful. There's no real reason for him to be mad about his brother because his brother died in battle. It wasn't like Abner took him aside and said, okay, you and I are going to fight and I'm going to kill you. There is no right of vengeance in this situation because he killed him in battle. Not, not taking him aside, not beating him up, not doing a, you know, let's, let's fight to the death type idea even. He killed him in battle. As far as Abner is concerned, he has nothing to fear. He's killed many people. Now, he understands he's killed Joab's brother. And that's going to irritate, you know, and he knows that's going to irritate him. But he, he's at peace with David. He's made a covenant with David. And David's general kills him. He has no reason to suspect that Abner is going to kill him because right now he's under David's, David's covering. Kind of ambush. It is an ambush. He, Joab deserves to die for this. He's now committed out-and-out out murder. And there's going to be problems. And again, this goes to the power and authority Joab thinks he has. He thinks, I'm powerful. I, could, I, just, I just gave David a, a, thrash, a tongue thrashing, and he didn't, he didn't throw me in the prison. Now I'm just going to go kill Abner, who deserves to die, because he killed my brother, and he's a you know, vicious, no good, worthless you know, piece of trash that needs to die because he killed my brother. So he goes out and he kills him in cold blood. And we're going to leave it there. We're not going to look at David's response yet. <laughs> But we're, we're seeing this, you know, this political intrigue that goes on and all this battle that goes on is just a very interesting story. But this is one of the places, and this is how God turns David's misdeeds into a good thing. But the consequence of this misdeeds from both Abner and David, Abner dies. Abner dies, and that's part of the consequence for this whole activity. Another consequence is David is no longer going to trust Joab for the rest of his life because Joab has shown his ambitious, ambitiousness and willing to commit murder. So Joab has lost his res respect with David. He's committed murder, deserves to die. He, you know, we see all these problems happening. David is a strong politician. He really understands that he cannot get rid of Joab because Joab even though he's not as popular, not as strong as David, is David understands that he has authority and power. Right? And anybody who has a position does not irritate those that protect him. The general is his secret service, his protector, and if you make your protector upset with you, you're in trouble. Either from the protector, or well, maybe we'll just let this guy get through. You don't say nasty things about those that are protecting you. That's like somebody hiring a bodyguard and then criticizing the bodyguard in public or even in private. This guy's worthless. They can't, they can't protect anything. Uh-huh. That's not a wise move. David understands that. David understands he cannot 
get Ab, uh, Joab that upset with him. Now, if he'd had Abner, maybe something totally different would have happened. But Abner's as powerful and, and influential as, as Joab. So either way, either one of them were going to be trouble for David for the rest of his kingdom. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, help us always remember that our sin has consequence and help us to learn to make better decisions with you in, in our decision making and to follow you and follow what you want us to do. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.